in our heart it does not get to sit on the throne within us we reserve that place for you and you alone because we know 
and all the things that we could face in this world and all the things that we could face beyond this world that you are greater, you are stronger. And Lord, you are willing to use that power in your might on our behalf. And in faith in this truth and in faith trusting in you, we, we do away with fear. We move forward in victory now this morning. So we ask that you glorify your name as we continue into your word, continuing together this morning. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You may be seated. We just want to welcome you to Calvary Chapel. We're so glad that you chose to be with us this morning to come and worship and to study his word. And so um, if you're joining us online, we're so glad that you've chose to be with us as well. And, and so um, before our Bible study, and, and ever almighty, do we serve a God that saves, don't we? And so that's what our Bible study is going to be, right in line with that. But before we do that, I'm going to do a couple announcements, and I'm going to do them very quickly. So you can find out everything that's going on here at Calvary Chapel. If you're not getting the e-bulletin email to you that comes out on Wednesdays, you can go to calvarychapelgreeley.org, our website. You'll find it there. Also, our church app. Or you can go to one of these QR codes that are around, and, and uh, you'll get all the information that you need. So again, quickly, I'm going to go through some things. Young adults will be meeting this Friday at the usual time. Saturday, the high school group will be meeting both the groups at the church here at their regular time. And then next um, Sunday, the middle schoolers will be having their games and pizza after the third service. And so that is pretty much a regular schedule that you guys see. But as we turn the calendar over to November, there is going to be a home educators fellowship. And this is a time for uh, moms who homeschool or moms that are interested in homeschooling to get together and fellowship with other moms that do that as well. So that's going to be here at the church on Tuesday, November 2nd, 6.30 to 8.30. And then there is a marriage fellowship that'll be Saturday, November 6th from 6 to 8. And they will be serving at this uh, breakfast as the main dish and Sounds really good. My wife and I had that a couple nights ago. So um, sign up at the information desk, or you can also sign up at the e-bulletin, and that will help Jeremy and Savannah with some planning purposes. And then we've been advertising Thanksgiving food boxes. And so uh, if you would like to have a food box, um, we are doing that for Calvary Chapel families. And and so you can sign up at the e-bulletin. That'll be you know, um, giving those out right before Thanksgiving. But sign up at the e-bulletin, or you can just, on your way out, sign up at the information desk. And uh, we'd love to bless you with that. And we're asking that, you know, if you can get them signed up by Tuesday the 26th, if it's a couple days afterwards, don't worry about it. Just as long as we have that for this week and we can get those things ready. And then pick up for those boxes are gonna be Sunday, November 21st. So we'll give out more details of that as it gets closer. And so if you have any questions about that, just call the church office and we'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. Guys, men's breakfast, November 13th, Saturday. Put it on your calendars because we're gonna have some good eating then. So it'll be at 8.30 here at the church. So sign up at the info desk and the e-bulletin, 
and uh, we just want to make sure we have enough food for you. But uh, we want to bless you as you come to men's breakfast on the 13th of November. And then um, we had a baptism, and I'll just say quickly, we had a baptism out on the back deck in September, and a lot of people got baptized. So if you're one of those people and you haven't gotten your baptism certificate, um, they're on the front, the information desk out there. And so we want to make sure you get it. So on your way out, be sure that you grab that. It's a big white envelope with your name on it. And so we want to get that to you. So like I said, we have a Bible study. So if you can open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. Pastor Jeff will be back next Sunday, Lord willing, to continue his study in the... Somebody's clapping, you know. (laughs) I clap with that, too. We want him to come back. But he'll be back next Sunday to do the verse-by-verse study and continue in that in the Gospel of Matthew. So invite somebody out, 8, 9, 30, and 11 service. You'll be blessed with that. Um, And continue to pray for him and Barbara as they are um, in Peru, most of you know, doing that mission trip. So just continue to pray for travel mercies at the end of the week for them, and also that they would uh, just uh, be strong and, and um, continue on with the ministry that the Lord has for them down there. Matter of fact, let's do that now, and we'll also pray for our Bible study. So the Lord, we just come to you this morning, Lord, and we just ask that you would um, lift up Pastor Jeff and Barbara, as they're down in Peru, that you would just uh, keep ministering to them, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would uh, minister to them physically and spiritually. And, Lord, that you would be strong on their behalf as they continue to... Jeff teaches the students down there, and Barbara does ministry with, with the church. And I just pray that you would have your hand upon them. And that, Lord, that when they get back here that they would tell us and be able to tell us, give us a great report. And we know that that will happen, Lord, because you desired for them to be there. So, Lord, give them travel mercies at the end of the week. May they meet their schedule. May they come back with strength. And we also pray for our Bible study this morning. And we know that we serve a God that saves, Lord, that desires that nobody that nobody should perish, should all should come to repentance. So we pray, Lord, as we have come and worshiped you, that we have our Bibles open because we have our hearts open, that we would have both doing that. And I just pray, Father, that you would minister to us and that we would listen to what you have to say through your spirit, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would touch each and every person in this building and that you would move. And that we would be attentive to what you have to say. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. And it reads, And I thank Jesus Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And although I was a formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, But I attained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, this is a faithful saying. 
and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering, as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What we have here is we have a younger protege of uh, Timothy. And Paul, in his first imprisonment in Rome, would go before Caesar Nero, and he would be released after that. And it would be then that he would write to Paul, and he would also summon Paul to take the helm at the church of Ephesus. And this is not going to be an easy thing for him. And he's going to have to deal with some difficult situations, and he's going to have to deal with some difficult people. And and, as a matter of fact, when Paul and Timothy get there, one of the first things that they have to do, as it says in this chapter in verse 20, that Paul had to take Hymenaeus and Alexander and deliver them to Satan so they might not learn to blaspheme. And I don't know what that means to be delivered to Satan, but it can't be a good thing. And I, you know, I never would want that to happen to me. And so they, he had to remove two very key leaders in the church. They were probably overseers. But it says that um, they were teaching heresy and they had made a shipwreck of the faith. And so they're already in this young church at Ephesus. There were false teachers. There were some heretics in the church. And they were threatening the health of the church. And so Paul writing these verses uh, that we just read, he says, Timothy, look and understand There's going to be some difficulties around you in regard to some of those who are causing trouble in the church. And they're not going to be the easiest people or the nicest people to deal with. And he writes to him because he wants to encourage Timothy. He says, I want you to remain in Ephesus. And you need to stay there and you need to finish your ministry because they need the truth. And I know it's a hard place to minister and I... No, it's a battle, and some people have kind of flipped out. But Timothy, God uses unworthy people because he is a God of grace. And he says, I want you to remember who I was, Timothy. I was a blasphemer, a persecutor. That word means that I made people flee. They liter- I literally hunted them down. I was an insolent man. Some verses might say injurious. You know, he, he speaks, uh, speaks of mentally and physically being so demeaning and so determined to hurt that it breaks forth in violent actions. He says, I was a violent. I was violent. I was an injurious person, Timothy. So when you look around and you see the person you think could never get saved, and every one of us have somebody in our lives, I think, that we... We know somebody that think, you know, there's no way they could be saved. And it might be somebody that you know about. It might be something that you really connect, somebody you're connected to, somebody at work. It might be your boss. It might be somebody that you know who is doing very, very well, particularly in the things of the world. And they think because they're doing so well, they have absolutely no need for God. But all of us know the hard cases. 
Maybe perhaps you know the blasphemer, the one who mocks you because you're a Christian, who curses Jesus, the one who is a persecutor that just wants to make you flee, the violent one. And he says, Timothy, understand. I was that person. Understand that God's grace is sufficient because as you, Timothy, as you move forward into the ministry, as if you have to deal with such difficult situations and difficult people, there are going to be days where you're going to say, I don't measure up. And I don't make the cut. And it just seems like I make a lot of mistakes and I feel like I fail. And you're going to have to understand the grace of God and to know well God's loving forgiveness, that free and undeserved and unearned forgiveness and favor. And you're going to have to know this well, that Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So we start to, as we start to look at a little closer at these verses that we just read, verses 12 through 14, Paul holds his own experience in front of Timothy. He reminds him of the way that he was before he knew him because Timothy would be familiar with that. Paul and Timothy have been doing ministry together for about 14 years at this time. And then in verses 15 and 16, he says, Now this is a truth for all believers in all ages, any who shall believe on Christ after me. So what is that? who does that include? That includes all of us here this morning. And in verse 17, he just erupts in this doxology. He thinks back on what the Lord has done in his life, and he can't contain his praise. It just flows out of his heart. So verse 12 begins with a thanks, and verse 17 ends with a passage of prayer. So he says there again, as we look at verse 12, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. Like he's saying, Timothy, if anyone knew me and knew all the things that I was in verse 13, not to mention that I was a super legalist, he, he told those Philippian believers in chapter 3, if you would have known me then, would you have wanted me in the ministry? I mean, before Christ, all of that I did didn't amount to anything. It was all based on my efforts and sweat. And what it did is produced in me a hatred for our Lord and a hatred for his people. And because he says that I was that way, he's just so very thankful. And he says in verse 12, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the way that it should read is grateful am I. I am continually grateful. I constantly maintain gratitude to our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul lived in this. He lived this way. And I am constantly thankful every day of my life towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Why are you thankful, Paul? Because he enabled me. He enabled me. It means to clothe. It means to strengthen. It means to furnish. He enabled me, counted me faithful. And he trusted me. And he put me into the ministry. That word for ministry here is diconis. He put me into service is what he's saying. Because sometimes we can hear that word ministry and we think seminary and standing behind the pulpit. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He says, God has allowed me to serve Timothy. 
And not only did he save me, but he allowed me to be of service to him. And Paul is an apostle. But he starts out this letter, you know, and he says, he starts this out, he says, I'm the one you allowed me, you enabled me to do ministry. And here's the thing. He's done the same thing for us this morning, hasn't he? All of us that are born again are included in that. Whether it's within these four walls, and some of you, as you serve, as you hold those babies in the nursery or teach the, the kids in children's ministry or hand out a cup of coffee, those who clean during the, in between the services and during the week and help us take care of the building. I know one thing that I see, I see a lot of ministry happening on Sunday mornings as you guys come into this place and I see you encouraging one another and praying one an- for one another and lifting one another up. And a lot of you do ministry outside these four walls. None of us are excluded from that. We get to be a service. And he says, what happened? What happened to me? There's a twofold thing going on. He says, God's calling and he's enabling. And there's a promise when God calls you, he will enable you. And he gives us spiritual gifts and he's going to open up the doors and make ministry possible. He would tell the Corinthian church, he would say in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, he was saying, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always have an all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So God graces, gives us, and enables us in all the Christian life and ministry. So if he's called you, he's going to enable you. And he says, God is the one who strengthened me. He furnished me. He closed me, as it were. He's the one who counted me faithful. And Timothy, you knew who I was, and he still counted me faithful. And he put me into the service. And it wasn't like God said... You know, Paul, I usually don't do this for people like you, you know, but you're saved. So why don't you just kind of lay low for now? We don't want an incident like when you went to Jerusalem a couple years after you were converted to try to meet with the other apostles, and they didn't want anything to do with you. They thought, no way we're meeting with this guy. And it took Barnabas to come along and say, you know, and convince them that, yeah, you indeed were saved. So we don't want a situation like that. So maybe you just need to lay low, be obscure till you get to heaven. And when you get to heaven, you know, I'll tell everybody up there that you were saved and, and I'll explain to them, you know, a little more so there's more clarity what I've done for you. But for now, for both our sakes, we're just, because this is an unusual situation, We'll just keep you off to the side. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Paul says, God took me and he took my life and he held it up as an example for all who would believe afterwards. And it's like God waves Paul in front of the world by recording his life in the scriptures. And he tells us, if I can save this one, I can save anybody. If this one can get into heaven, there is hope for anyone to get into heaven. And it's like God holds him up like a treasure. He's the one that put me into service. He didn't render me useless. And not only that, but he moves me forward in ministry. 
Again, Paul's saying to the Philippian believers in chapter 3, he says, I'm not already perfect, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. One thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I was all of those things in verse 13. And he put me into the ministry, into service. And it's all because of grace. And I'm not going to let the things of the past outweigh the present. And I'm not going to let the past overshadow the present. And I never want to make light of maybe what some of you have gone through in your life. And and we certainly have memory of things, things that we went through in our lives, the way we were perhaps before we got saved, things that we experience. And none of us forget completely, do we? We don't forget what has happened in the past. But that word forget in the Bible means no longer to be influenced or affected by those things. Because Jesus comes into our lives And we have the very life of Christ that is formed within us. We become new creations by the power of the Holy Spirit, which just conforms us to be like Jesus. And like Paul, we can say, the things that I did, the people that I hurt, the pain that I caused, the loss I suffered, we're able to say to others that I went through that but Jesus. I came from that hostile situation, but Jesus. And we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, who is powerful, who gives us life over the grave itself. We have the life of Jesus Christ. And I know we know our Christianity is a journey. Our sanctification is a lifelong journey to where we be in conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. And hear my heart on it. It needs to be a journey forward. And I know there are times where we feel like we go two steps forward and one and three-quarter steps back. But our, our sanctification, our journey, our Christian journey, it needs to be a journey forward, not backwards. And Paul said, forgetting those things I did. You can't move forward if you're always anchored to the past. And if anybody could have been hung up on the past, it was Paul. And so he says in verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. He says, Now I can move forward because of his grace. I obtain mercy. He says that in verse 13. He's going to say it again in verse 16. But here it literally says, He mercied me. He mercied me because I did those things ignorantly in unbelief. You know, it was when Jesus was dying on the cross, uh, he would be up there on that cross, and before he gave up his spirit, there would be those that were down there, that were around, that were still mocking him, and they wanted him dead. And it would be him that would say, Father, forgive them. And the reason was, for they don't know what they do. They don't fully understand. Their sin was theirs, They committed the sin, but they really didn't understand what they were doing. And Paul is saying here, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man. 
But I attained mercy, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. And Paul saw the truth, and when he did, he turned from his sins to righteousness. Paul said in Acts 26, 19, When I saw Christ on the Damascus road, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. When when I saw the truth, I believed it. And Paul's conversion is one of the strongest testimonies for the power of the gospel. And he says, and the Lord, he says, stepped into my life. And I look up out among you, and I know that you, that many of you have a powerful testimony. And what he does is, for all of us, as we have that testimony of coming to faith in Jesus Christ, that he enables us, counting us faithful, and saying, I want to put you into service. I want to put you into the ministry. And it's all by his grace, which is exceedingly abundant. And that term, it's hard to describe in our language, but a picture of it is like uh, water raging over Niagara Falls. Billions of gallons may go over, but it never runs out. There's just more to replace it. It keeps flowing, and that's the way that he describes God's grace. And he says it was that grace that produced faith and love in me, which is in Christ Jesus. It produced faith, which before I had done things ignorantly and unbelief, that's all been replaced by faith, and also by love. Before there was hatred and violence, and that wall has been replaced by love now. And that has happened by this waterfall of grace, this flow of it in my life every day, and it never runs out. So I live in constant gratitude. It never stops. And Timothy, you need to understand that as you look upon the church, as you look upon your surroundings, Calvary Chapel, as you look at the person that you can't stand the most, that may have caused you pain, the person that you think is the farthest person who could ever get saved, Paul said, that was me. And that was some of us here this morning. And Timothy, you need to share the truth with them. And you need to show them love. And all those days where you feel beaten down, where you feel like you've prayed and prayed and prayed for someone, on those days where you feel like you got nothing left in the tank, on those days remember that the grace of God is exceedingly abundant in your life and for the lives of those who are going to come to believe. And he says in verse 15 there, this is a faithful saying, I'm worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners with whom I am chief. He says, you know, Paul understood the extent of his sin. And he would write in the book of Romans, he would would write about how we, before we were saved, we lived fleshly lives. But when we get born again, we live spiritual lives, even though we still do fleshly things. So in Romans chapter 7, he says, the things that I would do, I don't do. But these things I hate, those are the things that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this could be our experience at time too, can it? I mean, at least in our thoughts. And Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. And this isn't Paul 
having some kind of false humility talk, you know? In 1 Corinthians 59, he would say, I am the least of the apostles. I'm not fit to be called an apostle. And the reason was because I persecuted the church. In Ephesians 3.8, he says, I'm the least of all the saints. And I see these things in Scripture that Paul says about himself. And I don't see the Holy Spirit watering these things down, saying, you know, Paul's just exaggerating. Paul understood all this. He's a safe sinner just like us. And Timothy and all of us here this morning, you stand in the position of serving the king because of the same grace I received. And you have no more credentials or standing than I do because you also have received exceedingly abundant grace that is immeasurable. And he says this to all. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, which means this. You don't doubt it. You don't question it. You don't hesitate. You take this and run with it. And Timothy, here's the truth. This is what you need to know. Worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And you can take that to the bank. He came into this world. He took on human skin. And he walked among us. And he did that so he could save sinners. And if he can save me, he can save anybody. The closer Paul grew to the Lord, the more he would come to know him. It would cause him to understand the extent of his sin. And here's the good news. The good news is that sinners are the very people Jesus came to seek and to save. And in Mark chapter 2, you know, the religious leaders, they're kind of mulling around Jesus and they're talking behind his back, you know. He eats, with drinks with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus would know what they were going to say, what they were saying about him. So he would say to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not call to come the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And here's the thing. Jesus specializes in finding the worst of the worst. Those who are out to lunch. Those who you would think will never come to the Lord. Christ came to save people like me and like you and like Paul. And he says in verse 16, There ever, for this reason... I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ must show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. It's almost like the Holy Spirit, you know, is writing and says that if God really wants to show people how patient or long-suffering and gracious he is, I think I'll save this guy. I'll save Paul and use him as a pattern. So the world, which I came to save... Well, no, nobody is excluded. Jesus Christ wanted to show or display or exhibit all of his long suffering for a pattern. And that word pattern, it's a sketch, something that people could see. It would be sketched out in front of them. Or in other words, a witness to them, to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. It, it, Ephesians, when Paul would write to the Ephesian believers, in Ephesians chapter 5, 1, he, he writes about the same idea. He says, you know, he tells those believers, therefore be imitators of God and walk in love. So that's talking about the same idea he's talking here about being a pattern. When I was a, a kid, grand, you know, uh, grade school age, um, Jeff and I, we were a little wild, you know, 
And we ran the neighborhood, and we got into some trouble. Mostly Jeff did. But we did those things. And my mother thought that it would be good for us to go to summer school. And I thought, summer school? I threw a fit. And I tried to convince my mom it was against the law to send a kid to summer school during the summer. That didn't work. So off to (laughs) summer school we went. And of all things that she signed us up for was an art class. Art class? I'm terrible at art. I can't even drive or draw stick people right. That's how bad I am. And I remember the teacher there, um, he, he wanted us to sketch out a tree. And he had done a sketch, and it, it was very, very nice. And I'm trying to do this sketch of a tree, and I can't do it. I'm really struggling. So he just told me, settle down. I'll never forget this. Settle down. And what he did is he took a piece of tracing paper, put it over the top of the sketch that he did of the tree, and said, draw that out. Get the feel of it. Get the flow. That's what that word imitator means in, in, in chapter 5, 1 of, of Ephesians. Be imitators of God. Walk in love. Take your life and put it over the life of Jesus Christ. Sketch it out. Show it as a pattern. So people can see that. And he saved Paul to show the power of his grace, to put himself on display, to demonstrate his power and long-suffering. And if the Lord is so patient with vile, blaspheming, slanderous, persecuting, violent men, if he is so patient as he was with Paul to redeem him, enable him for ministry, counting him faithful, to grant mercy and ever-flowing abundance of grace with faith and love, to make him an apostle, to use him to write 13 books of the New Testament, who was the chief of sinners. If God could save him, then nobody's beyond his grace. And Paul says, I'm a pattern. I'm an illustration for everybody in the future that is going to believe on him. And you know who else is a pattern, a sketch? You are. Everyone that is named the name of Jesus Christ. You're a picture of God's grace and his mercy. And, and, and I always tell the guys, they probably get tired of me telling this, this during our studies. I said, how you live your life is so important. It's so important. Guys, you know, Pastor Jeff has told you, we live in a dark world, don't we? And it seems to get more confusing and darker. And you know what? It is so important that we be the light that he has called us to be. Because he has called us to be light. He has called us to be salt to a darkened, to a dying world. And when he tells us that in Matthew chapter 5, it's emphatic. He's saying, you are salt. You are light of the world. You're it. It means you're it. And that's what he's called us who believe on the Lord Jesus to the Lord Jesus Christ, to be that pattern, to be that witness. Do you know that you're the only Bible that a lot of people see as you go to work? Or maybe in your family? You're the only Bible that they read. And I know sometimes that we can feel like, you know, I'm trying to be light. Sometimes I'm just trying to keep my head above water. I've got kids to raise. I've got them to get to school. I've got a job. I've got a boss on my back, whatever the case is. You keep being light. And I know that sometimes you, 
you know, that you feel like, you know, I just don't have it that takes what it is to really be a good witness. You know, God calls you and he what? Enables you, right? When I first came to Calvary Chapel, I've been, you know, I started from day one when um, Jeff decided to come up here and start the church. And, and so I, I played a lot of roles over the last 25 years. But when I came on staff eight years ago, that was, that was different. And I didn't think I had what it took. And I really thought, and I should be an encouragement for you, because if the Lord can use me, he can use anybody, really. And I remember reading an email. And in that email that, um, that came out, it probably was somebody sent it to a bunch of people. But the email was actually from a consulting firm. And that consulting firm said, we'll come in and we'll teach you how to do ministry better. And we'll make sure that we figure out who you're, through evaluations, who your best presenter is and how to be a better presenter and, and what you need to do to become more dynamic and all that stuff. I don't know. Maybe they tell you that you got to wear tight jeans to be cool and stuff. And, you know, me in tight jeans, we'd have a revival, all right, a backdoor <laughs> revival and everybody. It wouldn't be good. But anyway, they kept all these promises that they kept talking about. And I'm thinking, oh, my, I hope Pastor Jeff didn't see this. And he did. I said, did you see that? He said, yeah. He says, I get these once in a while. He says, we don't do things the way of the world. We don't bring it into the world in order for us to do ministry. I said, that's good. And he would tell me, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so when I got thinking about that, you know, I, I learned from that. And I thought it is. It is by his power. But I, I, I'm, I'm kind of weird, <laughs> different. So I, I decided to write a letter, make up a letter that kind of mocks that a little bit. And what if Jesus were to write this consulting company what would he say in it, you know? And we know he wouldn't, but what it would look like. So I wrote a letter. I'm just going to read it to you. Again, it's all made up and stuff. I even gave it a fake name, Dear Church Development System. And this is Jesus writing them. Tonight I explained to my inner circle that I would start making my way up to Jerusalem, which will take six months, where well, I will be handed over to the religious leaders to suffer many things, be crucified and raised three days later. Shortly after that time, I will be meeting with my disciples in the Galilee region to commission them to spread the good news of the gospel to a lost and dying world. I would appreciate an evaluation regarding my 12 men and their ability to carry out such a task. Sincerely, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so imagine this consulting company writes Jesus back. We know it wouldn't happen. Just, again, weirdness in my head. And I... After six months of personal and psychological evaluation of each chosen 12, we regret to inform you of the enormous challenge if you still desire to use this group of men. First, we believe that Peter to be one who speaks before he listens to instructions. He has difficulties standing up for the cause despite otherwise saying he will. James and John have difficulty being team players and have a ten tendency to uh, elevate themselves. Thomas has a problem with doubt concerning you and your message. Philip has been noted to ask questions regarding issues that should be quite evident. 
Andrew is one who just blindly invites anybody to come alongside your organization without thought of who they are. A bigger problem is the group as a whole. You have seen to chose Galileans. Galileans are not your elite class of people to choose from. Your inner circle is low class, rural, and uneducated. They are unsophisticated preachers. Most of them are mere fishermen and working class nobodies. They are slow to believe, slow to understand, have horrendous memories. There are no philosophers in this group, no brilliant writers, no excellent debaters, no distinguished teachers. However, there is one positive result from an evaluation. We believe Judas Iscariot would make you a fine spokesman. We find him trustworthy, passionate, hardworking, and self-motivated. That's the way the world does things. And God takes just ordinary people like us, like I said, who have to get up in the morning, and we gotta go to work, and we gotta raise our kids, and we got, we're busy people, and we're living life, and sometimes we're just trying to get through the day. And the Lord says, you're going to be a pattern. You're going to be a pattern. You're going to be a witness to those who are yet to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you keep praying for that person that you think can never be saved. And when you get to that point where you feel like you're just all dried up and you don't have anything left in the tank, you keep going. You keep going to the Lord and you devote yourself to him. Because he's going to enable you and he's going to put you into the service to those that you're around. And so Paul ends up saying, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And Father, we do thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this hope and this message that you... Lord, come into this world to save even the worst of the worst. That you are a God that came into this world to save sinners. And I just pray, Father, if there's anybody here that, Lord, hasn't come to you, that they would know that they cannot have right relationship to you because all of us have sinned and come short. And that you were that perfect sacrifice on the cross for them. And you shed your blood for them that they might be able to come and cry out to you and have eternal life. And I just pray if there's anybody here this morning that they would know and pray that prayer that, Lord, I come to you and I give you my life. And you are my Savior. You're my Lord. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. So I come to you. And I give you me. And I give you my life. And I want to be born again of the Spirit. And for the rest of us, Lord, I just pray that every day that we would know that we're a light to those that we're around. And all those dark days or the days where we feel like we're just a little bit of light, Lord, that you would make us brighter. 
that we would continue in our journey of our Christian life to move forward. And that, Lord, you give us the strength and enable it. You clothe us, you furnish us to do those things that you've called every one of us to do. We've all been called to serve. And it may be just to show kindness to the person that's at the checkout counter. Or to pour into our kids or our grandkids or our nieces and nephews. To lift up those in our family and those that we work around. And I just pray, Father, that that would be real for us. And that we would pour into those that we love and that we know and that we see even those who are the farthest away from you. So give us wisdom. Give us strength. May we feel more of your presence in the day that we live in. And we pray for Pastor Jeff. I just pray, Lord, and for Barbara, that, Lord, that you can get him back safely at the end of the week. That you would give him travel mercies. And we look forward to the good report that they will have. So again, bless the work of our hands. Bless everybody here as they go their way this week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may-